Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Wow. All right. So it's a new year. Amen. Who, else, who has already screwed up your year yet? Come on. Those are my people. No, no. Who here is like on, it's the 8th of January and you're already seven days behind on your read through the Bible challenge, right? You know, like anybody here that you don't, you didn't make any resolutions because you don't want to be depressed. <laughs> so, so, but who here in, in all seriousness, you got a promise for 2023. Maybe it was a word. Maybe it was a phrase. Maybe it was a sentence. Maybe it was a promise from God of what 2023 was going to be. Anybody? Okay. <clears throat> and uh, it already looks like it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, no, there's this, this, this thing is that our God is a God of promises. If you go throughout all of scripture over and over again, he shows up and gives promises to people when they're not even asking, right? Abraham's just out there, you know, just chilling on the backside of, I don't know what, in in, uh, Haran and and God goes, hey, I'm going to bless you. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm willing. Yeah, I'll take you to the land. You know, go forth and I'll lead you to the land. Okay. And, and Abraham goes out over and over again. We see God show up and he gives promises. This is what he does. But there's a problem with promises. You know what the problem with promises is? They don't line up with where we're at at all. By nature. D- does that make sense? They wouldn't be promises if they lined up with where we're at. And in fact, you know they're God promises because they really don't line up with where you're at, right? Like, like, hey, Sarah, yeah, you know, I know you're like 76 and all, but you're going to have a baby. Well, that was the first time around. That was the first time. That was the first, like, there was multiple meetings and like, and then eventually it was only at 90, right? Like, you're like, Anybody here like got a promise like that? You're like, it wasn't possible at 76. It's really not possible at 90. <laughs> Anybody tried to school Jesus? Right? You're like, Jesus, you just don't understand some basic things about life. But that's okay. I'll help. Right? <laughs> there's this thing about promises is the more there's something about God promises that smack reality in the face. But what do you do when you're faced with those promises? I love this verse. Um, you know, uh, Paul t- is speaking to his, his godson, his protege, Timothy, who he's sent to be pastor of a major church as a young man. In Tim- 1 Timothy uh, 1, verse 18, he says, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prom- prophecies once made for you, so that by recalling them, the prophecies, the promises of God, you may fight the battle well. Who wants to fight the battle well? Who wants to fight? In other words, what he's saying is you're going to have to fight for the promise. So, so that already identifies our first ditch. You know, there's two ditches, right? So what's the first ditch? Lord, you know my address. Lord, I receive it. Whatever you want to give me. Do you think you're going to step into the promise if that's your attitude? 
He says battle. He says battle. He says battle. Battle well. Holding on to faith. What is faith? Trust. Trusting God. Why is it important to trust God if you're going to receive the promise? Who gave you the promise? God. If you don't trust him for the promise, how are you going to be able to receive the promise? Because the promise comes from God. The fulfillment comes from God. And a good conscience. We'll get to that in a second. Holding a... which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck regarding, in regard to their faith. Okay, why do you think not having a good conscience might somehow, how do I say this, in fighting for the promise, you might somehow um, violate your conscience? Is that too vague? Anybody got some ideas? Yeah. You might need to help Jesus out a little bit. Anybody here? You're like, I got you. Remember Abraham? Like, uh, so, uh, God, you haven't seen Sarah lately? I don't want to speak ill of her. I'm just saying. I have some options for you, though. Anybody here found you a Hagar out on the back 40? Found what an Ishmael looks like? It ugly. Right? Isn't it? You know? Oh my gosh. And so the, the reality is he's like, yes, fight, but hold on to your conscience. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What is the conscience? It is Holy Spirit speaking in you going, I wouldn't do that. Wouldn't be prudent. Right? That is the Holy Spirit speaking in you saying, don't. And so we're called to this place of tension between I am called to this. And staying in this hungry place and warring to stay in trust and faith and yet not doing it in and of our own devices. And where is this place? It's at the foot of the cross. And I wish there were some people in scripture who had had promises given to them that we could watch how they walked them out. There are. There are a bunch. Just saying. Just saying. People are like, really? There aren't any? Oh, no. No, no, no. You got the right book. The Bible is chock full of them. And so I'm going to literally, we're going to do story time. We're going to look at six of them super fast because I'm going to believe that one of those is going to line up with your story, okay? Some of them did really good. Some of them did good, not good, and finally good. Anybody find that encouraging? Good, not good. Okay, anyway, just smiling. All right, so let's go ahead and let's just go start with Joseph. Talked about Joseph already. You guys remember Joseph? All right, Joseph was a lovely lad. Let's flip open. If you got Bibles, I'm going to just use a couple verses here in verse uh, chapter 37 of Genesis. <clears throat> now, Joseph had been his father's favorite son from birth. Who here was the favorite? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why they hate me. Just because I'm so awesome, right? Anyway, and it didn't help that he was the youngest. Who were my youngest? You know what I'm talking about. Play that card, right? Here he is, and he sits there. And, and so, um, and, and it just says right before this, it says that he was always tattletelling on his older brothers. Older brothers and sisters, how do you feel? 
Love, tenderness, compassion? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I love it. And in the middle of this, and then his dad makes him a Gucci robe. Like uh, his, his dad, you know, gets a special ordered from the tailors down in, in uh, Tyre. They had this special on uh, this special cloth. I mean, it was like it screamed from 3,000 miles away. You are amazing. And it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, and, and so every time he had to go to the bathroom, he wore Gucci. And people are like, shut it up, put it away. No, no, really, I just don't want it to wrinkle, right? And so his, what do you think his brothers? Are his brothers happy with him? No. Awesome. So God, so Joseph had a dream, a promise from God. And when he told his brothers, okay, guys, if you have a promise from God, who should you tell it to? God. Well, tell it to God. Should you tell it to the people who have deemed you their enemy? No. So mistake number one. Number one. He told it to his brothers and they hated him all the more. He said, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. I know I never do that, but you know, I know people who do. And uh, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around and bowed down, what do you think it means? <laughs> what do you think he's trying to do here? Brag? <laughs> right? What is he? He's trying to extract from the promise what is only going to happen in the future now. He's trading the future promise for a right now moment. Remember when Jesus was tempted, it said, if you're really the son of God, take all the power of the universe and turn these stones into bread. Take your entire destiny and get your immediate needs to twerk your brother's noses. Right? You know, this thing where I'm willing to trade this promise in order to get some immediate need met. And of course, his brothers go, they said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had. And so God, in his goodness, gave him another dream, another chance. Who is glad that God gives second chances? Yay! And, and Joseph learns from his problem. Anybody glad that God is a God of grace and love and mercy? Because Joseph does not learn. In fact, now he, t- he even ticks his dad off. I mean, come on. His dad's like, even mom and dad are going to bow down to you? Apparently, that's what God told me. Oh. And the result is Joseph gets sold into slavery. Now, let me say this. If scripture is clear. You intended for evil. God didn't plan for him to go into slavery. That was Joseph's grand planning with his brothers. This is really important. This is super important because what's so exciting about this is I can't think of any worse way to start your life story, right? Like, I mean, talk about losing it all. Absolutely blowing the wad, taking off your brothers. Now, did he deserve to be sold into slavery? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, I'm saying he was part of the problem. And guess what? God even used that. So no matter where you are, God can still bring about the promise. 
Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news no matter where you are? And he doesn't have to get you back to where you were to bring you into the promise from where you are now. Does that make sense? Like he doesn't have to back him back up. He, God is still fulfilling the promise, but from a different angle, right? So what does he do? He obviously learns how to keep his mouth shut. How do I know that? Do you think they put up with mouthy slaves in Egypt? No. And in fact, within three years, he, he goes, so he was about 17 when he was sold into slavery. In about three years, he goes to being head of the house of the chief of the Pharaoh's guard. Like this is like one of the top 50 houses in, in, uh, in, in large organizations in Egypt. Like he was over a company basically. Within three years, 20 years old. Wow. He obviously learned a thing or two. Praise God. He, and he did, what, what did Mary do when she heard all the promises? She treasured them in her heart. Right? So here he is, and he is faithful and true. And what does that get him? Remember what happens? Potiphar's wife's like, mm, I'll have me a little bit of slave today. And he's like, nope. And because he chooses to be righteous, God's like, it's okay, Joseph, I'm getting you out of slavery. Straight into prison. <laughs> that was not how I had it planned. This is important to know about the promises of God. The way God brings you into the promise is never how you expect it. God had to get him out of slavery. Not a problem, I'll get you out. Into prison. Woo! That was... If when we, as soon as you hear the promise, who are my people? You fantasize the entire plan. Who are my planners? You're like, and I've got a 43 steps and I've got, you know, flow charts and graphs and I've got a PowerPoint already made up. And God's like, wow. Okay. Guys, scratch that one. We're not doing that one. You know, they say, if you want to hear the Lord laugh, tell him your plans. Why? Because my plans don't need Jesus. If I can think of it, it ain't supernatural. I promise you, Joseph was like, how do I get out of here? I know, I'm going to save up money and buy my way out. God's like, no, I got a much better plan. <laughs> so he ends up in prison. But, good news, it's a good prison. It's a white collar prison. And what does he do in there? Is instead of doing, who here, when you face trials and tribulations, you sit down and go boo-hoo. Who are my boo-hooers? Come on, self-pity people. Come on. I used to be the king of self-pity. Don't ask Masha. She'll tell you stories. You don't need to hear. Uh, I was the worst. I was the worst. I, it, was, it, was, it was bad. And one of the amazing things for me being sick this time is I didn't go there. I didn't go there. And so, but here in this place, we can tell Joseph doesn't go there. How do I know that? Because once again, what does he do in the prison? He rises to the top. You know, I used to work in a prison. You know how hard it is to care in a prison? It's really hard. When you're with a bunch of people who are waiting to be either killed or doing life, nobody cares about anything except piddly stuff, right? Who wanted pinochle? And here, he cares enough so that the, the administrator of the prison puts him in charge of everything, right? He rises up. And once again, favor follows him as he believes in the promise of God when there's no possibility of fulfillment. 
See, he's seen parts of the promise. What, are, what were the promise? That he would be a leader of his family. Well, his family's long gone. So he becomes a leader in the house of Potiphar. That's gone. He now becomes a leader in, Pharaoh, in Pharaoh's prison. Well, it's really easy to go, man, I'm not on the path to the promise, God. But do you see there's these consistent elements showing up that if you have eyes to see, God will show you these things. You know, Jesus said this interesting thing to his disciples. He said, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends because I've made known everything the Father made known to me. God wants to show us the ways that he's fulfilling the promise. But when we're demanding the fullness of the promise today, we're not going to see it. But also, if we have already got our whole plan laid out, we'll never see it. So what does he do? He gets, you know, we have the moment. I don't, who here, when you are not doing well, caring for other people is the last thing on your mind? Yeah? It's all about me, right? In that moment, what does he do? He gets two guys who just got sacked from their jobs. He's like, oh, good. Welcome to the prison. I've been here for about eight years. I'm kind of an expert, you know? And they're like, we want to get out. I was like, yeah, good luck. You'll never get out of here right? And what does he say? He's, the, he, the guys come to him with these dreams and he interprets them. He loves them. He serves them in a way to help at least one of them get out of there. The one guy gets killed. The other guy, according to the, the prophecy, the other guy gets sent back before the Pharaoh and he said, don't worry, I won't forget you. Does he forget him? Yes. <sighs> that never again. I am not going to serve other people ever again. And who, who here has made that vow? I'm never going to just... Okay, just blink twice. Okay, anyway. And what happens is the guy finally does remember. The, to me, the sign that Joseph has kept his heart tender towards God in the middle of all these is that he is ready for the opportunity. You and I will miss the opportunity to step into the promise if our hearts are not tender towards God in the process. And they won't stay tender if we are... Um, if we are being brittle and fixed in our plans, it won't, our, we won't stay tender if we are not dealing with all of our failed expectations. Because the reality is we're going to have expectations. 99.8% of them will not come to pass the way we expect. But he, his will for us is more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Better than that. He's got better stuff for us than we can imagine. But anyway... And he comes in before Pharaoh, and what does he do? He, give, he, he prophesies, he gives uh, Pharaoh the, um, the plan, and Pharaoh, Pharaoh puts him in charge of the, all of Egypt. Ah, right? Anybody like, I'm done. I'm done. Woo! Right? This is amazing. 13 years. He's 30 years old. 13 years from the promise to the biggest fulfillment. Okay, let me ask you that. I, I, okay, okay, I need hands. You, got, you only get a vote, one vote. Only one vote. Is 13 years fast? Say yes. Give me hands. 13 years fast? Who thinks 13 years is slow? Thank you for some honesty. Come on. I will tell you this. Listen, his plans for you are faster than you fear and slower than you want. Okay? This is really important. Jesus, son of God, had 30-year internship. 
And then he had a 40-day final exam. And he, he was in the desert for 40 days. How long were the Israelites? 40 years. The length of your process is up to our level of surrender. And so in that process, here he is, but I don't know about you, but anybody be like, I'm like done. I have fulfilled the promise. I am the Mac Daddy of Mac Daddies. But is the story over? What was the prophecy about? It wasn't being prime minister. It wasn't being leader of the not free world. What was it? It was that he would lead his family. And he is still an orphan. He doesn't even know if his family's alive. And then his brothers show up. He's 37, maybe 38, probably 38 now. We're 21 years in. And God brings the whole thing full circle and brings it to pass that he is both a leader and a blessing to his family. And the very thing he saw was fulfilled. I would submit that most of the time, the reason why the promises take much longer is because we keep hitting reset. We keep bouncing out of the process and trying to do it in our own strength. Or bouncing out of the process in frustration and and passivity. But God is relentless in pursuing us to bring that promise to pass. Is that good news? Come on. I'm just going to briefly touch on a couple more. Moses, you guys remember Moses? Moses, right? He was, he was probably till about 10 or 12, he was raised by his mama on behalf of the, the then he became a Egyptian prince. Woohoo! Right? And in that moment, he learned so much, but he never forgot who he was. And when he was 40, he realized, now's my time. I've been given all this authority so I can liberate my people. And how did he do it? He saw one taskmaster beating two uh, Hebrews. And so he comes over and kills the guy. I will liberate all of, e- all of the Israelites, one Egyptian at a time. I may get tired, but I'll keep at it, right? And what happens is he now is on the run. He loses all his status as a prince of Egypt and he flees. Because he attempted in his own effort to fulfill the promise, that he sensed in his heart that he was meant to be, was he meant to be a deliverer of of Israel? Yes. Was that a true call? Was that a true promise? Yes. Doing it on his own, how did that go? Not so good. He runs out to the back of beyond, and so it's all over, isn't it? God's forgotten about him. And he becomes, but at least, you know, he settles down, gets himself a wife, gets himself a flock of sheep, because that's what you do. He's out on the back beyond, in the desert, Anybody here been in a season where you are on the back of beyond? I used to work underground by myself, half a mile back. Man, talk about feeling like you are a shepherd in the middle of of the desert. Man, and in that place, can God find you? Yes. And God shows up and goes, hey, what you doing? And what do you think Moses thinks? Well, for the last 40 years, I've been preparing assiduously to become a deliverer of Israel. Do you think he thinks that? No. But guess what? God has been preparing him. Why? He's become an expert at this entire region. 
He's been wandering around doing recon, didn't even know it. He was doing, what else was he doing? He was learning how to lead large groups of ornery sheep. Right? He was learning all things of practical and logistics. What in the world could, how could he be prepared? Come on. So this is the, I feel like so strongly that this is the word. Um, with all of those stories, if we watch them, even though the seasons and the path that um, God takes those people might not be linear or make very much sense. But in each season, there was a preparation point for where God was taking them. So this is my word to so many of us, that God is not going to just do something random out of nowhere. That for our entire lives, he has been preparing us and giving us skills and giving us developing our character, developing us in all the ways that are needed for the promise. And I feel like that's just such an important thing because otherwise we're just all over the place and doing all kinds of things that are not really Jesus, okay? But there is, in each season, he is preparing, he is developing. And I feel like it's very important to ask Jesus in the midst of this job or in the midst of this business or in the midst of my parenting, in the midst of what I was doing, how is that connected of you preparing me for that promise? Otherwise, we will have this sense that we're just um, kind of bouncing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at Joseph. Would, would you think a prison period would be a dead zone in your, you know, maybe on your, your resume? <laughs> So what were you doing from 2008 to 2016? <laughs> uh, character development. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I was working as an engineer, sanitation engineer, right? No. Do you know what he was doing? Okay, if you were going to lead a government, you know the worst part about government when you're at the top of the government is everybody lies to you. What do you think with the, the prison, he, the white-collar prison he was in was actually the prison where all the liars and thieves and cheats and killers of Pharaoh's court ended up? Man, I mean, he, let me just tell you, I promise you, Joseph Sell looked like, you know, one of those conspiracy theorists, you know, with str- yarn. Like, he knew all the dirt. He's like, oh, wow. Like, he knew everything. When he became prime minister, he knew everything. He knew where the bodies were buried, and he knew who killed them. Like he knew, and he knew how to manage wolves, right? He'd been managing them in prison, right? And here, God had been preparing him. I would never have thought, I mean, just me, I'm like, if I were to be president, I should probably uh, go to to prison. No, go to Yale. Yeah, go to Yale. No, go to jail, right? I mean, like God knows what he's doing, but he can't. Help us if we won't partner with him in this season that he is using to prepare us to move into the next one. So my question is, what is it in this season that he is doing that he's placed in your life that you don't like? Wait, that you don't like? 
right? That you're tempted to run away from. You're tempted to try to get over. And what is it that God wants to do in and through you to prepare you to move into the next season of the promise? But I feel like what you were saying about surrender and obedience is so important. Because I feel like we have this (laughs) glorious picture of like, you know, when something happens, you know, when my destiny finally arrives, I will just sail in and it will just magically roll out. Well, if we haven't been partnering and being obedient every step of every Monday, we are not going to be prepared. So it is super important to listen and to obey now in the midst of the mundane in the midst of those hard things, in the midst of our Mondays. Because I, who has this idea? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Um, kind of a two ditches. Like when either revival comes or the persecution comes, I'm going to be somehow magically different. Who has that thought? That somehow if the persecution came, I would just go and they would torture me, but I would say, no, I will die for you, Jesus. Who is with me? I fantasize that. Okay, fantasize about that. Well, <laughs> you want me to get real here for a minute? Come on. So, Jesus, yes, when that comes, I will die for you. Would you serve in the nursery? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's too much. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Woo, I just got real. Jesus, I will be tortured. I will let them take off my fingernails and I would still hold on to your name. Would you clean your house to uh, host a neighbor or do a little small group? Goodness, Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? That is like way outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah, Yeah, if services were every night, I would come. I would come. If you were showing up, I would come. Okay, okay. Well, would you try one more night a week and open your home? No. Jesus. Goodness. No. <laughs> uh, Too much, Jesus. I have my priorities, Jesus. Come on. So, whatever we practice now in the Mondays and the weeks, whatever level of sacrifice whatever level of stepping out of our comfort zone is probably what's going to happen when the situation is extreme, whether with persecution or with glory. If you live a self-centered life, you will keep on living a self-centered life. If the glory is poured out, and just like the Pharisees, you will miss it, and I will miss it. If I'm not stepping out every day in my regular life. If I'm not sacrificing for Jesus on a regular Monday, when the persecution comes, I will run and hide. Okay, that's the truth. I'll put it another way in terms of generosity. Some of us fantasize that when I have a certain amount of money, I will give to those in need. But right now I just can't. I would submit that when we, it's sometimes easier to give when we have nothing than it is to give when we have a lot. 
Uh, there's this thing that we keep thinking tomorrow, 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 when, when, when. But the reality is today is the day of our salvation. And so whatever it is, I want to say, no matter if you've totally missed it, like I said, uh, we don't have time. I could go for days on walking through each of the characters of the Bible and watching how so many of them missed it for most of their life or missed it for large sections. But when they returned to him, he even used their mistakes to bring them into destiny. Even use the places where they missed him to bring them into destiny. When we surrender even our past, he will use that to bring us into the promise and more quickly than we can imagine. And I mean, speaking about all of that, I'm speaking to myself as much as to all of you, right? I mean, I feel like all of us it's hard to step out of our comfort zone. A lot of times Jesus does ask us to do things that we're like, oh, Jesus, like I have my Netflix and I have my bedtime and I have my whatever else is going on, <laughs> right? But it's like, let's just start listening and start making those steps in 2023. And they can be tiny steps. He's not going to call you to this huge thing, right? He's going to build you up through a series of small steps. Yeah. And so I want you to close your eyes right now. Father, I know that you are whispering. Some, it's over dead dreams. For some, it, it, some of us, it's, it's dreams that I gave up on long ago. I know I'm disqualified. It can never happen. But Lord, you're whispering over the dreams you have given us, the words you've given us, the prophecies of our lives, the encouragement, the hopes you've given us. You're whispering over them and you're saying, I am faithful and true to fulfill my word to you. Lord, as you're speaking that though, you are looking for us to say, I believe, I believe. In the same way Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness, he believed and he took a step of faith. God, you are giving us wisdom to know what the step, not the, the whole journey. What is the step of faith? What is the one thing today that I can do to step into what you're calling me to do? To step maybe back into, maybe it feels like I'm a million miles away, not going back to it. But God, where do you want me to go today to step back in. Some of you, I, I feel like this is a word. There's some of you, you have journals that you wrote the promises in and, they are, and you put them away. And God said, go find them. Go read them. I, my word is still true. Dare me. Some of you are saying, it's too late. I, 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 this is going to get real. I, I, I moved to the wrong place. I married the wrong person. I, I got the wrong job. No, it's not. If God can bring Joseph into his destiny through the prison or through Potiphar's house, he can do that for you. Listen, don't try, say you need a different life. Just simply say, God, I believe the promise is still true. Show me the first step. It's going to be a baby step. It's going to be a step you can do today because today is the day of salvation. I also feel like God is giving creative ideas of how to make those first steps I feel like um, many uh, people here have had on their hearts um, to reach out to people in their lives, in their circles, the jobs. And I just see things, schools, things popping up like little, um, like over lunch Bible studies or prayer groups and just different things like that, that are just simple. 
um, when Jesus is, is leading and he's going to make a way, he's going to open the door. Um, and I feel like um, there's going to be joy. Yeah. Like all the joy and happiness you've been looking for in other places, as soon as you obey and step out of your comfort zone, there will be just this overwhelming joy. I feel like for some also there's this phrase, somebody should. Congratulations. You somebody. <laughs> somebody should. That is the voice of God. Somebody should. That's the voice of God. Listen, listen, listen. If we can have the worship team come up. God is faithful and true. He is a promise keeper. He is holding out his hand. And he's saying, will you take me at my word? Will you take my hand? And will you take a step today? A step, yes. A step outside my comfort zone is always a step of risk. It's always a step of surrender. But will you step today? And I feel like, I feel like this is a time, um, as you are making a decision in your heart, it requires an, an um, action. So I feel like as we go into worship, if you are saying yes this morning to making that next step, of what he's been tugging at your heart and calling you to do. I want to call you to this altar. I want to call you and just for you to just bring it to the Lord and just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. So let's all stand. But this altar is open. Just come and, and lay down your plan and receive direction from him. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.